If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to a brand new podcast. It's called Pilot Episodes, and it's all about aviation. Now, anyone that has listened to me before will know I know nothing about aviation, flying, being a pilot. I can't do any of that. But I have teamed up with three guys that know absolutely everything about it. So I'm very lucky to be working with Dunk, Parky and Godders. We'll be doing it, well, we don't know how often we'll be doing it, but we'll be doing it frequently. And we'll be doing it from various locations. This week, we've done it from the RAF Museum in Hendon and in the future we'll be doing it from well we don't actually know yet but all over the country so if you like what you hear today please leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Twitter and yeah just keep your your comments coming because that's what's going to make us do more of these in the future the next thing you're going to hear is the lads talking and they don't even realize that, that they've been recorded and then we get into the episode so enjoy it Airfield, small airfield, and I was like, I don't know what that is. And then uh, that was the one yeah, when I came easy, back and yeah. go, What was it then? North of the M25. Dude, I can't find it. It's like a phantom airfield. <laughs> I've had a look on you Google Earth. North I spent ages looking for it. Couldn't find it. <laughs> it's a mystery. I could have been Are anywhere. we recording now? <laughs> right. Oh, well, <laughs> you now get an insight into what <laughs> these gentlemen are like. So, welcome to the podcast. We don't actually have a name for it. We don't know what we're doing, really. But we are sat here in the Air Museum. I think the best thing to do is probably just go around the table and uh, in- introduce you... Uh, introduce you gentlemen so first of all Parky introduce yourself so uh, I am just recently left the Royal Air Force I was in for 33 years and uh, like my esteemed colleagues with me just um, went fast jets right from the get go so 30 years of flying a selection of fast jets 30 years of flying when when was your first year of flying Uh, 84 I did pilot training so when was I born 8th or 4th 84 yeah, I was in the mighty tweet in, <laughs> in Texas at the time. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I went, uh, we'll banter this, but I went air defence, these boys went Harriers uh, from pilot training. Um, Phantoms, Tornado F3, uh, F16 on exchange, Red Arrows, got into the display world. I displayed the Tornado F3, and then uh, we all met up on the Battle of Britain Memorial flight, flying Spitfire Hurricane. And I flew the Eurofighter Typhoon, so I've had a, a, a good innings. Don't do yourself down, mate. <laughs> the first person in, on the planet to get a thousand hours on Typhoon. Yeah, is that I, right? I chiselled the program a lot to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Threw my name up on the board. Yeah, yeah. A, and that voice you just heard then is uh, Godders. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, uh, glad to be here. Finally, I've got the team together. We don't know whether it will be any good. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so I joined uh, the Air Force on the same day as Dunk, actually, 1991, January the 6th, 1991, wasn't it? Um, and uh, I've just been a bit lucky since then, um, flying Harris out in Germany. Uh, came back to the UK with them, um, various ground tours, but we won't speak about them. Well, maybe we will. Yeah, maybe uh, we will. Uh, we know we won't. Along the way. Um, but, uh, you can do that one on your own. <laughs> yes, yeah, and that will be a separate podcast. Um, did uh, F-16 exchange um, out with the Americans, uh, and then came back and uh, flown Typhoon for uh, most of the last sort of, uh, almost 15 years. Um, and uh, a quick stint with these boys as the uh, the slightly worst pilot on the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's like being the. Uh, Nobody denied that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was just polite laughter. <laughs> 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 Yeah, to be fair, that's like being uh, the slowest man in the uh, Olympic 100 metre final. So I, I, w- I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, and last, last but not least, Dunk, in- introduce yourself, please. Uh, well, I, I joined the Air Force with uh, Goddard, uh, both of us straight from school. Um, so we went through officer training together, and then uh, after flying training, uh, I actually got You went twice through officer training. I went, <laughs> I went twice through that, yeah. For lack of officer qualities, I can't believe it I myself. Is that but hair you had at the time? I, had, I, I don't listening, Dan has some very short hair right now, but at the time... It was the biggest, floppiest hair I've ever seen. Shout, wasn't it? Shaved it all off, though, yeah. mind you. And some has fallen out. Some has fallen out. No, at the time. Oh, okay. Shaved it all really? off at the time. Yeah. Oh, as if by magic. Oh, oh that's More batteries. Um, Thank I you. don't know how much power is in those. We'll, we'll find out. I'm yeah. sure we'll be fine. Do you want me to nip out and get a couple from Tesco's? No, we'll be all right. Thank you. You sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Thanks, Rebecca. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. See you later. Excellent. We've got some replacement batteries because uh, I'm very prepared. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you have, so, sorry, you were saying. I was saying I had lots of hair. <laughs> lots of hair. We digressed a bit, didn't we? Everyone went through their flying career. We started talking about my hair. I think that's enough for you, to I be honest. We've covered the highlights. Enough, <laughs> isn't it? Some flying in what did you find? <laughs> well, I went through flying training, and at the end of uh, Chivener, uh, I got sent to the F3 as well. So, uh, however, I then had to hold for two years, and in that time I flew chipmunks for a year up at Edinburgh, and then I went and held flying hawks down at St. Athen. And uh, anyway, I went back to refresh after that. They had no space left on the F3, and uh, they gave me a single-seat wreck, bizarrely, so I then got sent to the Harrier as well, sort of by uh, a strange default. So I did uh, Harriers in Germany, uh, came back to the UK, then I went to instruct, uh, over at RAF Valley, so uh, I did um, weapons tactics and flying instruction at Valley before being selected to go to the Reds. So ended up being on the Reds uh, with Parkey from 2003 to 2005. Is that what we're calling it on here, by the way? What the Reds? Give me lots of inside chat. Oh, yeah, Red Arrows, of course. Air Force Aerobatic Display Team 1998. <laughs> The Red Arrows. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're right, the Red Arrows. And um, after that, went back to the Harrier. So spent uh, four or five years then on the Harrier. Some of that uh, I got selected, luckily enough, to go and fly BBMF. Uh, so I flew some of that flying the Harrier and uh, uh, part-time flying uh, Spitfires and Hurricanes and then took over BBMF uh, in 2013. So BBMF... Because of course we love our acronyms, uh, acronyms here. Battle of Britain Memorial Flight. Battle of Britain Memorial Flight. Yeah. So the uh, Spitfire, Lancaster, uh, Hurricane, and Dakota. Um, so there's uh, twelve aircraft on on the flight, all in all. Um, 
And I finished that in 2015, and then uh, I now, for my sins, work for an organisation called Central Flying School, which is the oldest flying school in the world. Is that right? Yep. And uh, so we... Um, we, I look after the fast jet squadron, so anything to do with fast jet training, uh, all the way from basic to Carno. We're soon going to have the, the Texan uh, coming to the Royal Air Force, uh, all the way up to uh, looking at how the frontline operational conversion units do their business as well. Crikey. Did not get a longer introduction than us? It's about mostly about seven <laughs> times, really. I think he took advantage of it more. It was about my hair, mostly. Yeah, what well, was that? Talk about holding. I did loads of holding too. <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing when Dunk on the Reds when he joined, I was the exec. So, as the exec, you had this ridiculous well, just exec, executive officer, but it was just and a Reds title. It, red, red arrows. arrows. Red arrows. So it's just a title, but it meant that. I could find the boys, so if their smokes were late, and it was just really, we sort of created a little bit of fun to have a beer at the end of the day. But I could make Dunk's life misery, and I'm sure I did. You did. And <laughs> I had that power, and then weirdly, seven years later, he's my boss. And that was when it was like, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Might have blown this. The abuse become the yeah. abuse. It's like that sinking feeling when someone passes you on the squash ladder. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, Red Arrow is back, and the Battle of Britain. How is that held? What kind of regard is is that held in within flying flying circles? Is that ultimately where everyone aims to be, or is it a, a hobby, or is it something you want to do as extracurricular? That's funny, isn't it? That's, That's a good question. question. Not for everyone, but I reckon. I never applied for the Reds. You know, I, I always really enjoyed. I'd love to watch the Reds. You know, I think all of us, you know, were sort of hooked on air shows when we were kids. But it was one of those things that I just wanted to go and fly Eurofighter it was Eurofighter 2000 then and turned out to uh, you know mm. Eurofighter when they didn't hit 2000 in terms of entry into service but um, I wanted to go and exchange I wanted to go and live in America I wanted to go and see if I could fly something else but almost I'm the minority almost every single other pilot I know in the Royal Air Force has fast jet pilot has applied to the Reds yeah I I applied but I didn't I that's not why I joined the Air Force either. I had do you know what I had no interest in joining the Reds at all um, because when I was a boy um, we wandered around the museum earlier and yeah. I was saying to JB that actually there's a kitty hawk down there with a big shark's mouth on it and you know I had a, a, a camera an SLR camera and that's what I would take photos of I'd try and take pictures which became a, a speck in the background when they became developed of the, of the World War II fighters that's what interested me and the only time that I uh, the reason I applied to the Reds was I just thought when I was at Valley well I'm eligible to go and fly in a back seat I, I may as well it's a tick in the box of life why not and then when I did, uh, my jaw dropped and mm. I thought, it was just completely not what I was expecting. It was uh, amazing. So uh, I, I then applied. For th I remember doing uh, the Phantom, the F-4 conversion unit, and at the time I remember meeting a mate who was just off on exchange to fly the F-14 Tomcat, which is sort of the Top Gun movie yeah. jet. It was brilliant. And I remember thinking, I had no real idea that in the RAF, you know, all I wanted to be was, you know, fight a pilot, just get onto a fast jet, fly the Phantom, fantastic. And really, I think a bit like God, as my aim then turned into how can I get an exchange? And I didn't know, you know, there was some tasty other jets around, you know, F-18s and 16s and Mirages and all sorts. And it's a bit of a lottery as to which one you got. But I remember I got F-16 in Holland, God has got it in, in the States. But that was it. That I just wanted to get my stickies and to fly with another Air Force. It just seemed such a brilliant idea in a great sort of three years to fly out you know as a guest in another nation and really then from there 
a bit like Dunk, you know, I, I thought the Reds were going to be out of my league. I didn't think I'd have a shout at it. Flew with the team and, you know, absolutely got hooked. And I'm sure you were got as if you'd, you know, well, if I, things had I, panned out differently, you'd have, you'd have loved it. I, I was amazed when I did go flying with them. Uh, I think the only time I went flying with the team was, uh, it was when, uh, so a friend of ours, uh, Matt Jarvis, unfortunately died of cancer, I mean, a long time ago now, wasn't it? 2005. Yeah, 2005. Who? But there we go. That's him. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Jarvo is listening to us. Yeah. Um, but uh, they did a thing where um, so Jarvo had been selected for the Reds and ended up uh, getting cancelled when they were out doing their um, uh, spring training, that you call it, wasn't it? You know, good weather training out in Cyprus. Um, so you know, unfortunately, couldn't fly after that. And one thing, it was terminal cancer, and one thing that uh, he wanted to do was find a spit. So they brought a two-seat spit up to Scampton. Were you, were you in the team? Were you on the red team? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brought a two-seat spit up to Scampton. Invited us a, a, a load of us along to go and, and sit in the back. And uh, I think they did it. You know, they may have done a display in the morning, but I remember sitting in the in the display, just going, "I don't believe this. This is utterly ridiculous. How close all of you guys are flying." That's why I was tempted to spend. Most of my <laughs> uh, how close you guys were flying, um, and thinking it was bit amazing. I mean, you know, and that, and, and in fact, that was an amazing day of being sat in the back of one of the Red Hawks and seeing Jarvis sat in the back of a two seat Spit because I'd, I'd loved Spitfires all my life, but I'd never flown with one. Yeah. And so, you know, on that particular day, got got both of them. I didn't think I'd be sat in Spitfire later on. Maybe as well. It was quite an incredible day, wasn't it? Though, you know, all of his mates that weren't on the team, weren't flying on the team, were. And given, you know, he'd, he'd been on the team for a year and a half at that point. Uh, he well, just because he had he got ill during his first yeah. his first um, season's workup. Um, but of course, to, to us, he he was still on the team, still part of the team as he went through that illness. But all of his friends that weren't on the team at, at the time, he had all of his mates in the front seat of the jets. But all of the guys uh, that he knew uh, throughout the air force, we came and flew as many of them in the backseat of the jets as well so he literally had his sort of whole Air Force family there didn't he and uh, it was a, an incredible emotional day yeah and, and so the other thing as well Parker you mentioned you know yeah, I, I think I probably would have looked at it but, you know especially having seen you know really good mates of mine like Doug you know David Slow guys like that but you got promoted the Reds well it is it is one of those things isn't it you know I, I, I definitely window closed it's a window shut but I don't look back thinking well we started to find the Reds because of all the you other stuff do. like that. It's probably a lie. <laughs> 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 Have we got a lie detector <laughs> thing? <laughs> <laughs> the recording machine is just <laughs> <laughs> what is What is different about display flying compared to operational flying? The, the, the solo display I did with the Tornado F3 99-2000, that's a while ago, but it, it, obviously every part of military flying, and to be honest, flying in general, it is clearly lots of regulations, lots of rules. And, and you adhere to them and it's one of those things when you first get clear to display height so you're legally allowed to 100 feet you invert it at 500 feet so it's low that is so A-level compared to all the other flying you've done you know you just are not allowed to go upside down in an aircraft uh, and you're it's not? not at those heights not ridiculously close to the ground and it, it, to my mind it's just that feeling of I cannot believe this is illegal but it w- clearly was and you've worked down to it and with the red arrows as well you know every you know that first month of training when you you know you just 
you loop and you roll and then you start to move informations and then you learn the second half maneuvers I would be flying thinking I cannot believe I'm doing this you know and and then the weird thing probably for all of us is what is absolutely a level and so incredibly amazing becomes the norm and that really is and display flying it you know it does and you obviously you're concentrating on flying the the aircraft but I remember the first bit of display flying it really is did you do unbelievable Reds. Yeah, it went straight from F3 to Reds, yeah. Because that's interesting, because both of you had that display experience, didn't you? Whereas... I didn't. No, but when you came to BBNF... Oh, example, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. for the Reds. So yeah, your so third trip in a hurricane was yeah. going upside down in it yeah. at display height. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that was the most amazing thing to me. And that was a, a, I had a super crazy week where I'd come back, of operation, come back from operations on the uh, Saturday. Sunday, I had to... Um, I think I had a day off. Monday, I requalified in the chippy, in the chipmunk, um, the little training airplane we've got on BBMF. Tuesday, I did my flying test on the chipmunk. And bear in mind, I hadn't flown for three or four weeks before this. Four weeks is how long I've been away. Wednesday, um, after I'd done the flying test, uh, we did, that's right, we did Hurricane Ground School, and I did the run where you start the Merlin when it, it's, it's strapped down at the back, they tie it down just so you don't go launching off into the distance or the tail doesn't lift and you strike a prop, all these sorts of things. Um, Thursday, went down to Duxford, flew the Harvard twice, once in the back, once in the front, or it's the other way around, actually, I think, once in the front, once in the back, and flew it back to Coningsby. Friday, went solo in the Hurricane for the first time. Saturday morning, did a 500-foot display in the Hurricane. Saturday afternoon, did a 100-foot uh, display yeah. in the Hurricane all in a week never having had any sort of previous display yep. experience before they've been amazing yep. you know and, uh, you know, I don't know whether it was similar in the you know it's quite a considered work up in the reds and I've done a lot of that chipmunk flying before then as well but what intense that is week, intense yeah which is a good thing and almost dreamlike is this really happening oh, no, or is it so yeah. I was mowing the lawn on the Sunday got back from off I was mowing the lawn again on the Sunday a week later going have I just woken up from a coma yeah did I dream that I was flying yeah. a hurricane? Well, the thing is, as well, that the, I mean, maybe we should talk about it as a se- separate subject. But the interesting thing about going through that workup um, is the fact that, it, for all of us, I think uh, was the case that it was the first aircraft when you get into that hurricane. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That you've flown, that you've not had a two-seat version yeah. of some type, it is effectively, you've sat in it in the ground, and that's it. And then you start it up, you get it airborne, and you know that actually landing it um, is definitely going to be exciting. It's very different to, you know, the, the inertia that the, the thing's got, um, the power that it's got, um, and the reputation that it's got in terms of the difficulties that you can have landing landing it, um, notwithstanding. Another, 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 another time. Another another. But it's interesting, isn't it? You know, the, the air force has come full circle now. Now we're looking at F thirty five. We're looking at Typhoon. Typhoon's going to lose pretty much all of its two seaters. And soon, although we've got synthetics that we didn't have in the hurricane, but the sim is brilliant. The sim is, and that's but you know it has gone full circle, isn't it? The first time, I don't yeah. think it'll take away from that excitement and that feeling yeah, when you fair. sit in a, in, in yeah. that you know multi-million-pound single-seat jet well, no, for the first time, that's not just a simulator. That's when your brains drop out your head. You know, exactly. That's why they did the, the hurricane tie-down uh, start the engine because you forget everything as soon as that. Massive Merlin engine is screaming away in front of you. It's the same in any fast jet, isn't it? Mm. You know, I think any airplane. If you're going in it for the first time, you know they say you lose half of your capacity once you strap into it because you know it, it's the uh, a bit of excitement, I suppose, and a bit of nerves yep. about flying that airplane for the first time on your own. No one there to uh, you know to give you a helping hand. You know, it's all down to you. If you've flown before, uh, well, obviously you've flown a lot before, and you're flying these high tech systems. How much of a shock is it when you've got to go into something which was built 60, 70 years ago? Yeah, I mean, the, the shock is they're, you know, they're noisy, they've just got so much character, they are utterly, utterly brilliant. But it is that what if... I mean, the, the actual aircraft, once you, you get it airborne, they fly beautifully. Spitfire's gorgeous to fly, you know, and, and it is almost like any aircraft, you know, left is left, right is right, up, down, you know, that bit of it, but it's just certainly the landing. Tail Dragger has all of its own nuances because this got a little tail wheel so it hasn't got a nose yeah. wheel so essentially yeah, you can't that's a niche episode again. yeah <laughs> well, you, you can't see where you're la- when you're landing whereas every other aircraft we've flown you can see the runway you can point at it whereas when you land up a, a certainly a spitfire and in, in the flare in the hurricane you cannot see ahead the nose is in the way so that build up and and that knowledge is 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 a, a frightening thing that's just preying on your mind as you jump into the hurricane for the first time and the you know, you'd definitely be nervous. The most nervous I ever was, I think, was. I was uh, just going to ask you about that. I can't remember. I must have been nervous the first time the instructor got out when I was in the Cessna when I was seventeen. You know, and said, "Right, off you go on your own." Um, you're kind of bulletproof when you're seventeen, but I do remember being, you know, mid, whatever we were, whatever it was, mid thirties, late thirties on BBMF, being massively nervous as I taxied out, and, and probably because of that standard thing that. Smithy says to you before you get in that you know if you're going to crash it, make sure you kill yourself. Because <laughs> um, you know it's a flying museum piece more than yeah. anything, and yeah. there's something about fulfilling that boyhood dream. You know because it sounds ridiculous to say, doesn't it? But you know just flying around the place generally, although it never gets old, it's flipping brilliant. 
it's it's a job you know that is your job that's what you do every day and it's hard work for me I think you know that feeling there, there's uh, you know, a sliding scale of uh, of intensity of that feeling. But to me, if I if I try and remember back, I think that same feeling. It's really difficult to describe what it is, but it is a mix of nerves and excitement. And right, this is all down to you now. You could really screw this up if you're you know if yep. you don't get this right. And you know, some aeroplanes, Hurricane is right on the right hand end of the uh, end of the scale. And equally, then the Spitfire. Once you graduate from the Hurricane, you've done that a little bit. And then you go in to get, get to get into one of the the Spitfires, uh, particularly the, the the baby ones, the small ones that uh, that, that really could be very exciting uh, when you put them down on the runway. Um, I think those are on the right hand side of the scale. I do remember my feet were shaking on the pedals when I landed the Hurricane for the first time. Actually, you know, I mean, so we that's... could see that from the tower. <laughs> <laughs> Trembling. <laughs> Um, and then you know whoever it was on the radio right turn around go and do it again <gasps> well I've just survived yeah. that one yeah. <laughs> can we just not call it a day there I'll retire yeah how hard are these things to maintain you guys must be some of the few people probably in the world actually with experience in these aircraft who fixes them who actually has the expertise nowadays the uh, I mean we have um well, you know, it depends where you are. So certainly for, from uh, BBMF, so we've said it's Battle of the Memorial Flight, so certainly that, um, that unit has uh, its own Royal Air Force engineers that are specialists in maintaining those aircraft. It's a very small team. It's uh, about 27, 28 engineers uh, that look after that. Some of them um, we've kept as full-time reservists, so they've been on the unit for, some oh, of them, 25 years to try and maintain that experience. Incredibly experienced Merlin engine experts and airframe experts that stay on the, uh, on the BBMF um, to, uh, to, to have that continuity through. But equally, you'll also have guys that come straight out of training and they'll get posted to BBMF. Um, Is that right? Yep, yeah, and they'll learn that trade, and then they'll go away, and they'll be whatever engineering type. They'll go and do that on Typhoon. They'll go on Ops. They've once they've got that BBMF engineering experience, they might might find as they're promoted, they're brought back into BBMF at a slightly, you know, higher level, a, a higher, a slightly higher supervisory level for them and so that they can sort of continue through then but there's a real mix um, of, of experts and then when you go out into Civvy Street again um, there's guys that have got into that world and they've stayed in that world and you've got some very highly skilled uh, engineers um, and operators out in the civilian world that operate um, vintage aircraft and hopefully we'll have one or two of them on as guests, yeah, yeah. maybe. So is, is Paul Blackiston on flight? He is. He is. Yeah, he's, he's still there. So this is a guy who, what, 25 years plus? Yeah. Know, yeah. Who has to be probably a world expert, if not the world expert, on maintaining these things. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting talking to him as well, because some of those young... I mean, what a massive opportunity for you know a 17 or 18-year-old to join the Air Force, do their engineering <laughs> yeah. and posted to the Battle of Rick Memorial flight. But... What was interesting chat to these guys is because you know some some kids join as engineers because they've always want to be uh, they always want to be engineers you know so we've always changed our own brake pads on the car and this that and the other. But there's other kids just joined because that was the vacancy at the uh, uh, at the career um, the careers office at the time, and so you know for these people teaching them a level of engineering that is completely different to what happens on a typhoon squadron or a you know tornado squadron or helicopters. Um, it's interesting, you know, in the fact that it's all just it's fabric, 
it's wood, it's aluminium, you know, the engines, proper old, big old engines. And just seeing those guys uh, sort of progress through there and then come back, you know, every now and again if they are interested in it is, is amazing. But I was there on Friday actually, I was at BBMF on Friday doing some flying with them in the, uh, in the Chipmunk and one of the guys that was a corporal there uh, when I joined seven years before, I'd just come back as a, as a chief technician. So, you know, three ranks further up um, to, to come back. It's like, hey, how are you doing? You know, and uh, uh, people just migrate back to it. I think, you know, we, we can't really talk for the, the, out, the outside civilian uh, contractors that, that do this stuff. But there is absolutely a love for these aeroplanes. You've grown yeah. to love the aeroplanes. And the ground crew, they're saying that they, they often have their particular... Uh, favorite that they'll have um, and that they just you know they sometimes you know when you were down route and there was something wrong with the aeroplane you had to order them to stop working on it because you know they they would just work mm. every hour God sent and you know we have rules that says that we have to have a certain amount of rest and you'd have to say boy you've got to stop because they the the commitment and enthusiasm that they had to those aeroplanes and their their want to to, to fix them to see them fly again was just outstanding wasn't it <laughs> all the more responsibility uh, not to break them then I guess so yeah I guess so yeah. <laughs> even though I tried a couple of times Again, one for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all had exciting moments. <laughs> How do you go about designing a display flight? The BBMF's display is, you know, got as, as he said, you know, on his third trip he's flying it. So it's a pretty safe display. Mm. So, you know, there's only certain manoeuvres you do, you know, we'll do rolls. In the Battle of Memorial Flight, we tend not to loop the fighters. So we well, limit. Why is that then? Because if you, you know, gate heights at the top of loops, essentially, if you don't make that gate height or you're too fast and you pull to 90 nose down, the ground is there. So, you know, it, it burying the nose, it's just a far more of an A level manoeuvre to do. Yeah. And you can still display a Spitfire Hurricane Royal Air Force Battle Memorial Flight without having to do that. We do do vertical manoeuvres, but we don't pull through off the loops, etc. So I think the other think, thing to say about that, though, as well, is just to, to cut in is that we it's a, it's a strange uh, uh, environment on BBMF because well, although we'll have a, a bunch of experience that the boss in his final year will have done at least seven years Parky did nine or ten ten eleven eleven Guess eleven it years is. it seemed longer but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but know. you know working with him it was oh, oh my god much. I know an eon but uh, anyway they uh, the fact is you also have uh, OCOPs like Goddard's was uh, and station commanders that might only fly it for a year or two um, and so they don't you know as Goddard's was just describing don't have that display experience and so we wouldn't want to put people in that environment with you know a limited amount of display experience yeah. where they're putting themselves in, into a position where with just the wrong uh, the, uh, a wrong read of an altimeter when you're upside down and there's all sorts of other things going on can put you into a very dangerous position so you know the decision was made long ago that that's not something that we felt that we wanted or needed to do and it makes the airplanes last longer as well yeah you know, because you know the more g-force you're putting in these things the more stress they're under you know they're old airplanes you know they're, they're taken apart put back together quite like was it once every Full majors, eight years, something like that. Yeah, once every ten, four, five, six, however many years it is. Um, but if you just fly gently, they'll last forever. You know, the hub, 
what, what was the saying you used to have as the as the boss tank that um, you know we've been around for seventy years and you know we've got enough and attention they'll be around for the next seventy years minimum. Or, and, yeah, yeah. You know, well, they could they could be forever. You know, yeah. the the, uh, the there was a guy called uh, Mike Kidd who was uh, one of the uh, engineers uh, worked uh, on the civilian side, um, and he very cleverly put in place uh, a system that meant that as long as there's a public will to see the aeroplane, they can, in theory, fly forever because it's a, it's a Royal Air Force unit and the, uh, the maintenance scheme means that their, their life, their fatigue life, if you like, parts are replaced such that their fatigue life will never run out. So as long as there's the public will to see them, and you know, fingers crossed there always will be, we should be able to fly them forever. Does, does a memorial flight ever get bigger? As in, do you acquire new hmm? new aircraft? Yeah. It's rare, but yeah. So, yeah. Over the did years. you fly the Mark 16 for the first time? Uh, well, no, Smithy did, didn't Smithy he? But then you took over as boss. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah. you know, again, Paul Blacker, we mentioned, but the boys, you know, essentially in their lunch breaks, etc., they acquired an airframe, a, a fuselage, and they built Airworthy over about 11 years, really? a Mark 16 Spitfire. And we watched this thing in the hangar slowly, you know, grow wings and get painted and da-da-da. And then eventually the day came in December 12? 12, yeah. 12, yeah. yeah. But uh, Smithy took an airborne. And then Dunk flew it, I flew it. And that, you know, she was a... I think she hadn't flown for 55 years. It was something like that. It was remarkable. Yeah. And it, wasn't a, it wasn't an actual original aircraft. It yeah, yeah. Lots she, of other pieces, was it? Well, no, it was an original airframe. It yeah. restored. You know? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Big day. Um, and, you know, throughout the history of the flight, I mean, the flight started with uh, one Hurricane and three Spits. Um, and uh, again, I'm sure, you know, we could go into that an- another time. But effectively, um, at the time, um, in the. Uh, in the, it was late 50s that it started the, the maintenance wasn't quite there they had a few problems with aeroplanes where the, uh, the, the engine stopped and uh, you know they had some, uh, some exciting times for sure but over the years then the aeroplanes were you know there was more and more Spitfires were added and, uh, and then of course they, uh, the Lancaster came to the, uh, to the BBMF well, Where do you find a, Lan- a Lancaster from? Well, that you know, that again is a. It, it was an aeroplane that was done. It was the last, the last flying one it had. I think it came in. Did it come in? No, early? she was at Henlow. I Henlo, think she was yeah, at Henlow. Henlow, not Tendon. And they managed to get one flight. One she flight was going to be a gate guard at Waddington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a bit of a ruse. Actually, let's keep her flying. Uh, and then they did a couple of trips. She was a massive hit at the uh, air shows. And then you know, acquired by the BBMF. 73. 73, 74, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, and that's you know every aircraft. And, and certainly civilian world has just got the most amazing story how it survived yeah. you know 20 odd thousand Spitfires were built there's maybe 60 in the world yeah. circa something like that so you know it's ridiculous how few survived but each of them will have an amazing story how it's still still going have any of you boys seen the documentary about the B-29 that they found in the North Pole no. and it eventually it went it, on ice, caught fire, and oh my yeah. god! It's, I, I didn't know I didn't know the end of this story. Uh, I so I assumed that they got out that they got out safely. So I think ninety minutes of my life invested into this B twenty nine getting out. Heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, I recommend anyone listening go on YouTube find find that uh, and find that video. But you know what, lads, we've done. 31 minutes. Well done. Your first podcast. How's that feel? <laughs> we haven't even started yet. Yeah. Well, I know. 
Uh, although I've run out of stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> You'll bang on my back getting scared again, won't you? Well, we've not decided on a name yet. We don't, we don't even have a Twitter account, but when we do, we will let you know. Uh, until we release another podcast, well, we'll see you then. All right, gents, see you later. See you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.